Ladies and gentlemen, today we have the distinct privilege of welcoming a true luminary in the world of clear thinking and continuous learning. Our guest is none other than Shane Parrish. He's the mastermind behind the widely acclaimed Farnham Street, which itself is a platform dedicated to mastering the best of what other people already have figured out. But it's not just him as a thought leader. He's like a navigator in the fast ocean of knowledge, helping us to try and clear steer of the cognitive errors of our lives. His contribution is enormous, uh, but also uh, amazing with his new book, Clear Thinking. Uh, it's like a guiding light to people who are trying to be smarter in the world. So his journey is fascinating in, yeah, even from his early days where he was experiencing challenges and the opportunities of frequent relocations as a child to his thought-provoking career transitions. Uh, Shane's life is a testament to the power of curiosity and lifelong learning. At Farnham Street, Shane doesn't just share knowledge, he cultivates, let's say, worldly wisdom he challenges us to think deeper, question our biases, and embrace the complexities of this world. Shane, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for the incredibly generous introduction, Craig. Well, it's uh, it's deserved, and 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 I want to, I want to just dig into some of this journey. Let's let's start with uh, your early years. You were, I think, maybe eight years old, nine. I don't know. You'll correct me. And school was not so enjoyable. Uh, but then you had a moment in the library where you came across a book. Uh, is it is the, the Watch Stop Gang? Am I saying that right? The Stopwatch Gang. Tell us about what that is and why it mattered so much. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, you know, I can't speak to other people's childhoods, but my childhood was uh, a bit rough, especially when it came to school and uh, academics. And for whatever reason, I just didn't fit in a classroom. Mm. And I was bored and you know reasonably intelligent so i would start getting into mischief over and over again maybe it's a cry for attention who knows i mean those sure. are questions like to what be, like what kind of mischief would you get into oh uh, reorganizing books vandalism deleting stuff from computers uh just you know petty mischief that you know you get into when you're sort of 13 going out on my dirt bike with my friends and you know, I, so in grade seven, I had skipped school for seven weeks, and then I decided to go live with my. Hold on, you skipped school for seven weeks. Yeah, this is back when you know you used to have those answering machines that still had cassettes in them. So I used to erase the school message every day. I mean, I set it up right, like when I when I said reasonably intelligent, I was like, oh, we're going to Florida for a month. Like we'll be back in a bit, and you know, this is like the teachers didn't really ask questions back then, and 
you know, so they started calling when the month was up and they call every day and I just delete the message. And, you know, I would go outside and pretend to walk to school and my parents would leave for work. And then I'd go back to my treehouse and I'd eat eggs and I'd make myself eggs during the day. And that's sort of what I would live off of. And they wondered where all the eggs were. But I was like, oh, when I get home (laughs) from school, I was just eating all these eggs. And then eventually, you know, the school uh, principal, I think, came and knocked on my door one night. And I was like, oh, this gig is up. And uh, I thought it was funny, uh, you know, in terms of I just didn't want to go to school. I didn't like the classroom. And as a condition of sort of not being expelled, I had to go see a child psychologist. And she's like, "Eh, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just bored, which was good. And then I decided to go live with my biological father in grade eight because I thought a fresh start might offer different advantages and and you know it didn't end up working out that way and so i I fell in with the wrong crowd in grade eight grade seven i was sort of on my own getting in trouble in grade eight i was encouraged by uh, the people i was hanging around to get into trouble and i I remember it was increasingly getting worse and worse right like i was on a path to really no good and, you know, I hadn't crossed that line as if there's a line, but uh, I hadn't really crossed the line. And then, you know, one night, well, during the day we had uh, went to the library and we had to do this book report. And I hate book reports. Mm. Uh, I hated school. I hated everything about school. I hated somebody telling mm. me what to read. I hated somebody telling me what to do. I hated somebody mm. having a subjective opinion about my thoughts and whether they were right or not. <laughs> and, you know, just a really troubled childhood in that sense. Anyways, so uh, I ended up in this true crime section of my grade eight library, which had two books. One was called The Stopwatch Gang. And I was like, oh, this one looks interesting. I just randomly picked it up off the shelf, started reading it, reading the first page. And, you know, it's about these bank robbers. I was like, oh, my God, this is my kind of book. This is awesome. So I get home that night and I start reading the book and, uh, you know, I get halfway through it. And then the next night I'm reading it again because I can't put it down. I'm like, oh man, how did these guys work? Like, and I start trying to figure out like, how do they pull this off? And you know, what does it take? And you know, how do the cops catch them? And it became this like real life sort of, I don't know, it was a true story and it was so captivating and I was so into it. Hmm. And my friends showed up at my door on the second night and I'm like one chapter away from finishing. And they're like, come on, they're, you know, they're on their dirt bikes. We live in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, no, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm not coming out tonight, but I really just wanted to read this last chapter. And I knew if I went out, I wasn't going to read that last chapter. And I was just so pulled into this book. Anyway, they went out that night. They broke into somebody's house, which we had never done before. And I would have been with them. I doubt I would have gone in, but I definitely would have been there. And I'll skip over the the bad part, but it happened to be a cop's house, and their lives changed what, 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 in that moment. Sorry, what do you mean? What do you mean you skipped over the the bad part? This feels well, like kind of the bad thing, but yeah, I'll, I mean they got caught. Uh, there's a lot of trouble, a lot of drama. The cop came home, saw flashlights in his house, called it in, and uh, you know went in, and uh, their lives changed. I, they never returned to school, and so you know in the blink of an eye. Through sheer luck, I ended up staying at home. And then, you know, I went to the school the next day and I'm like, whoa, where are they? What happened? And, you know, sort of like went to their house and I got no answer. And then, you know, eventually it just came out that they're not coming back to school this year. And then it came out that they sort of, uh, you know, went to juvenile detention or, you know, whatever the consequences were for, for them at the time. And I just got scared straight. I don't know if that term makes sense to everybody, but I was like, man, I could have been there. And this was a coin flip. 50%. Like, I, you know, I could have gone either way. And I felt bad because maybe it had been there, I could have warned them and they would have gotten less trouble or, you know, and, and alternatively, yeah, I, I also was like, oh man, like, 
my life just flashed before my eyes in, in a mm -hmm. very different way because of this book, right? And I was pulled into right. this world and that was the, the sort of thing. Right. And so after that, I was never a problem in anything. I mean, I was mischievous a little bit, but like, not like I was uh, before. And so in grade nine, uh, I went back to living with my, my mom and my dad. And, you know, I found computers in grade nine and computers, uh, uh, my grades did not improve in school because I was sleeping in school. Most of the time I would stay up all night playing on my computer, uh, programming my yeah. computer. And then I would go oh. in the next day and try to finagle my way through school. And yeah, it just definitely changed my path. And the, the, we all have these random moments where, you know, one choice, and it's not even a choice, it could be luck, it could be thoughtful, it could be sort of conscious, and you'd be just in a completely different situation than you are right now. And I'm cognizant of that, and, and sort of I escaped through this fiction, well, non-fictional world in this case. And, you know, that's how I survived the rest of grade eight. I just actually read books, read books I wanted to read, not the books the school was telling me to read. My grades did not improve. I was a straight D student all the way until grade 10. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's so many places to go with that, but well, one place to go is just, is how did you go from that description to being a spy for uh, the Canadian government? I mean, that's quite, yeah. that's quite a shift. Other than, other than there's something, there's, a, there's like a, a golden thread through everything you've just shared, which is sort of 
kind of low-key nefarious, you know, like wanting to, I mean, that, that, that's seven weeks you're away from school. That That's more than just, oh, I, I, I took off for a day. You know, there was strategy to that deception. And I don't mean to make more of it than it is either, but there's something there. So it, was that the theme that continued? It's interesting. I've never thought of it that way. I, I mean, there's definitely an angle to people who think outside the box and think differently and have to look at a situation and see different things in that situation. And... I get to work with a whole bunch of people like that who saw systems as as puzzles. Uh, and the puzzle was how do we get what we want out of that system? And then can we arrange it so that it happens? And whether you wanted to skip school or or do good in the world, uh, you know, it is a system that we operate in and understanding the system we operate in, its limitations and its strengths can have certain advantages uh, and disadvantages, right? There's not all, all pros to it. So you said that your grades changed when? Grade 10. So what changed in grade 10? Do you know what changed? Yeah, so I um, I switched schools every year until grade 10. So grade 10 and 11 were the first two years I went to the Good same grief. school. That's a, lot, that's a, a lot of schools. That's a lot of disruption. Yeah, it is. I knew in grade 10, I had moved from grade 9 to grade 10, different provinces. And I knew in grade 10, I had a good shot at being in high school for three years together. And hey. I decided, like, I, I'm good at making friends. I mean, you know, byproduct of, of moving so often is I can walk up to people, I can talk to them, and, you know, I can fit in with almost anybody. I can fit in with the jocks, I can fit in with the nerds. And uh, so I decided, you know, I was going to join a sports team. And that was a good way to meet people. So I show up for football practice on day one and, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're running around the field and I'm like, this does not look like a lot of fun, but the guy's like, what do you want to <laughs> do? And I'm like, well, that guy over there is like throwing a football and he doesn't look like he'd be working so hard. So I'm like, oh, you know, I just point over there. I don't say anything. The guy's like, oh, you want to be a quarterback? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I had never thrown a football on a team before or anything. You know, that first year was a bit of a disaster. I got the nickname third string because uh, I mm, definitely did yeah, not yeah. see the field the first year. <laughs> and uh, anyways, I ended up talking to somebody after practice who became my best friend in high school. And his father is actually his father and my grade 11 English teacher are probably the two people uh, more than anybody who in high school changed my trajectory uh, for the positive. And I, I remember two distinct moments, one in grade 10, it's it's sort of October. And I go over to my friend's house, his name was Scott, and I go over to his house and his dad sort of pulls me aside after dinner because at dinner we were talking about university and like what I wanted to be. And I, I was like, I don't even, you know, like what is university? Like, I don't That's not mm -hmm. a, a word that we use in my house. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what that means. It sounds expensive, right? Like it sounds like it costs money. And, wow. you know, we can't really afford that. And, you know, I'm just having this very different conversation. He pulls me aside and I don't know if he remembers this, but he was a very stern and straightforward man mm -hmm. uh, and not somebody you wanted to be on the wrong side of. And he did this very tactfully too. He waited for his son to like go to the bathroom and he sort of like nudges me outside and he's like, look, I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you're going, but if you're not going to university, you're not hanging around my son. Wow. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what university is. Like, uh, you know, it sounds good, but uh, he's like, I'll help you. But that has to be the path you're on. And that means good, great. And he like laid out pretty much like what that means. Wow. And his son, you know, became my best friend and it was okay to be smart all of a sudden. You know, when you're hanging around bad Please. kids and, and you start hanging around good kids, you adopt the behaviors of the people you're around and it was okay to do good in school. It wasn't uncool anymore. Wow. And so I ended up, 
doing pretty decent in high school, I would say. I didn't do homework, so I got zero out of 10 in most classes on homework, but I, I still got high 80s in my, in my grade. So it was good. And I worked full time for most of high school to pay for university because like Mr. Corkery sort of instilled in me that if I want to go to university, that I would have to do that. And uh, so I started working 30 hours a week and I would close up the store and uh, you know, that was my means of saving money so I could go to university. And then I wanted to take computer science because that's what I did every night. I love playing on computers. I love programming. I love that I could connect to other computers. And, uh, you know, you can imagine all the mischief that I would get up to when I could connect to other computers and uh, play around with <laughs> things back in, back in the 90s, right? Back before, before that sort of got a bad name to it. It's another extension of this theme that's come out of the conversation earlier, these inflection points. I mean, you're you're subscribing it to luck or it could be luck, but you know, the the meeting of that particular friend, the 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 conversation that his dad has with you, you know, but for the fear of God go I, you know, like how different life would have been even at that point without that intervention. One hundred percent. And and then there's another moment that probably actually got me my job, which you know, it took three years to sort of play up at first year university. I had to take a physics class and I didn't have time to do the assignments. And to put things in context, each assignment was unique to each student. Hmm. Uh, so no two students had the same assignment. There was 10 versions of question one and each version of question one had different numbers. Hmm. So no, no two assignments were exactly alike. And you had to log in and uh, submit your results over Telnet for anybody who remembers that what that is. You basically <laughs> have to like enter the right answer and then go on to the next question. And you know these assignments took like twenty hours to figure out. They were for physics majors. They were not for computer science majors. This was like a serious wow. physics class. Yeah, that is impressive. All the kids uh, in my class used to hire the same two tutors, and these tutors had a spreadsheet, and they basically looked at what version of the test you had, entered your numbers, and and you know spat out the results. People would take those results, and you know for twenty or fifty bucks or whatever it was at the time, uh, they would be done their assignment in in a matter of minutes. Wow! And I I couldn't afford this tutor, uh, and since nobody else had my question, so um, by tutor you don't really mean tutor. You mean just someone who did the work for them. I, I'm using a very kind word in this situation, yeah. And so yeah. I was like, "Oh, well, how do I solve this problem?" So I, I remember spending a night on the the computer, the physics website, the school's website, and I read every rule there was to read about submission of assignments and and <laughs> you know electronics and and sort of and nowhere did it say that I had to enter my numbers manually. So I wrote a little program, and this program guessed negative 100,000 to positive 100,000 in increments of 0.1 because that was the the margin of error. And so I just ran this program at night and I would wake up in the morning and I would have 100 on my assignment. It would just guess. There was no limit to the, the number of guesses that you could have on this question. So it wouldn't even read the, wow. the physics questions. It wouldn't even read my variables. It would just literally guess the answers. And anyways, come in in March and you know he shows this little presentation and on the bottom is your student number. So on the x-axis is your student number. On the y-axis is number of guesses. And you know the average guess uh, number of attempts per assignment was I don't know like eight or twelve. And then there's one student who who like broke the chart several times. And he's like, I would like to see the student in my office after the 
after the class. And so I wow. show up at it. Everybody's like, what the heck? And I was like, oh, this is like, oh God, I'm probably in some sort of trouble. And so I show up at his office and I'm like, uh, hey, it's me, you know? And he's like, yeah, so I'm going to give you zero on your assignments. And I'm like, whoa, what do you mean zero? Like, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, well, you violated the rules. And I was like, no, I have a copy of all the rules at home. And he pulls up his website and he shows me. And I was like, that is, that was not there. You just added that. Like that's, hmm. that's not fair going forward. I won't do this. I, you know, I, I can't afford to do what all the other kids are doing. And I didn't rat anybody out, but I just said like, I can't afford to do, do whatever everybody else is doing. And I'm working 40 hours a week while trying to come to this class. And, you know, basically like a sob story and he didn't buy it. He gave me a zero on that. I ended up failing physics because he gave me a zero on my assignments. So <laughs> long story short, to hmm. bring this full circle to how I got my job, uh, when I'm doing my interviews you know they ended up talking to him and he finds me in the hallway and he says you know i'm sorry this is still coming back to bite you you're probably not going to get your job I, I had to be honest with them and i just remember looking at him and i'm like you know i'm really glad you were honest with them because that's why i did get my job i didn't violate any rules and i thought outside the box about how to solve a problem and that's what they they want people to do at intelligence agencies. And, and you know, I thought that that was a, a good way to sort of bring that full circle, right? Where uh, he taught me a really good lesson. And at the same time, um, that lesson came back to be a positive thing in the future. How long were you working for the intelligence agency? Can I just preface this with like, I had the best job in the world, right? Like I yes, started that's two, a great weeks, two weeks before September 11th. I get to work with- Oh my goodness some of the most insanely talented unsung heroes in the world for 15 years uh, people hmm. who got no recognition for what they did people who sacrificed countless hours uh, who spent more time at work than with their family especially in the wake of september 11th and insanely insanely talented uh, amazing group of people who i still love to this day uh, and so i worked there about 15 years can you give me just a tiny but concrete example of something someone did that makes you preface it like that? No, not without going to jail. Right. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to walk uh, any lines here. You know. Give me. A, give me this sense then. Do you, so. You mean people on the front lines of action? You don't mean the, or do you, uh, give me more, something well, I, more. I, I worked for the Canadian version of NSA, or if you're listening in the UK, GCHQ. And so we worked in concert with agencies around the world. The choices that we made uh, through what we were doing affected our country and other countries and troops in theater. You know, I was never brave enough to sort of like pick up a gun and be on the front lines and uh, I did have a huge sense of patriotism growing up with two parents who were in the military full time you know, and, and dedicated you know, their life to service, you know. uh, and a grandparent who, who fought in wars. And, and you know, I was lucky to be born into a country uh, like Canada, and I do feel, and I still feel, that there's an obligation to give back and to make Canada the best that I can make it. And I just choose to do that in a different way today. But for 15 years, I literally dedicated my life to my craft. Mm. What else do you want to share about that period? You know, you're saying sort of that's the preface. What's the what's the main course? Well, so so when you start working at an intelligence agency, you know you. You end up with problems that you've never encountered before, that there's no solution before. 
Uh, mm. You can't Google, and what I loved about it is, <laughs> right? You you can't ever not play the game if that makes sense. And I use the word the game, but like, don't take it too seriously. You can't opt out of this. You have to play, and you're competing in a global market similar to business where people have better talent than you in some cases, more money than you in some cases, and more resources in some cases. Yes, uh, and you can't complain about that. You just have to deal with the hand that you have the best of your ability and find a way to compete. And for anybody interested in those type of problems, intelligence agencies are like the place to be. But the flip side of that is, you know, I dedicated 15 years to that and I ended up getting divorced and deciding I didn't want to spend my life at an intelligence agency anymore. And I wanted to do my own thing. I wasn't quite sure what that, that thing was in the moment. I just knew there's a saying in the military that the uniform doesn't fit anymore. Uh, and it basically means the, the military is not going to change. Uh, and so if you're expecting it to change, then you're going to have a problem. And so there, and there's that little... The little thing, I think it was Steve Jobs who said, hey, if you wake up on a Monday and you don't want to go to work, that's fine. But if you do that too many Mondays in a row, uh, like you can waste your life. And, you know, I just woke up a few Mondays in a row and I was like, this isn't, I'm done. I need to find something else. This isn't healthy. Yeah. Well, it wasn't healthy for me. It's not what I wanted. Right. And it was for a long time. And that's awesome. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be unhappy going to work every day uh, and trying to figure this out. I, I've got sort of two th things in my head now. One is I have this kind of image of you when you say game. It gives me the 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 idea of Ender's Game, and I can kind of imagine you now as as uh, is it is it Andrew Ender? Is it Wiggins? Gosh, it's worse. Yes, yeah. But uh, yeah. but I sort of imagine you as Ender in that game that must be played. I would be more like Ender's assistant, maybe. You know, I, <laughs> sure. I, I was, I but was still. super, I was super lucky. I ended up, you know, working with probably just through luck again, like a lot of moments of luck in life. Uh, but I ended up working with, I, I would say, one of the top three people in the world at the craft that I was in. And that had ups and downs. And if you read my book, you can find some interesting stories about some of the yep. downs, you know, and right. he, you know, he, he's one of the most brilliant people I have ever met in my life. And to put things in context, he's the person that everybody calls when they can't solve a problem. Uh, even to this day, even though he runs a cyber defense company now called Field Effect, you know, he, he was and is sort of the Michael Jordan, the Kobe Bryant, the whatever you want to call them of that. The field. ender. The ender. He was the ender. Yeah. So he he's he's this he's this leader with a very particular set of skills. Yes. That allows him to be extremely useful, extremely valuable in the most complex no-win situations. Yeah. But his obsession, his his level of, it really in some ways his level of competence and, and commitment has an unintended consequence on your life and your experience. Well, his standards, right, were definitely higher than the standards I had for myself when I arrived. And you know, one thing that I find really interesting is that the very best people in the world, one thing that they all have in common, and uh, you know, you and I have spoken to a lot of them, 
is they tend to have ex- extremely high standards of themselves and they have extremely high standards of the people that work with them. And it can be a shock. There's quite a contrast between you know when I started and when I didn't. And somebody tells you there's no excuses and you have to do your job and it doesn't matter that the bus is late. It doesn't matter that you don't know how to do it. It doesn't matter that you, like none of your excuses just matter. And you know they hold you to a higher standard and that standard raises uh, where you're at. You can run away from it or you can embrace it. I remember at walking out of a meeting with him once and somebody walked up to me and, and said, Hey, uh, you know, most people just avoid him. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and, you know, he had, he had basically called me out in this meeting and made me look like an idiot. Like I had tried to explain how something worked and he just stood up and like really explained it. And I was like, oh, and then this guy, uh, you know, comes and he's like, yeah, most people just avoid him. Don't worry about it. It happens to all of us. And I was like, avoid him. And I remember pausing in the hallway. I'm like, I want to, I want to be around. I want to work with this guy. I want to be around him. Like, are you kidding? Like, he's clearly brilliant. I can learn so much from being there. And so I guess how you interpret being around people who are exceptional has a huge impact on, on where you go. And I was like, oh no, man, like I want to, I ended up spending more time with him than, you know, my girlfriend at the time. And it was just a great learning experience about learning not only the craft that I was involved in, but learning the standards of excellence that are needed to be at the highest level in the game. Now, you you said earlier on, and I don't want to delve if you'd rather not, but you said, okay, so I ended up at the end of this 15 years, I'm, I'm divorced, you know, are those related? Do you see the the obsession of the work that you were being required to do at this crazy level of, totally. of expectation, no excuses, this is your whole life? You, you, is that connected? I see you nodding. So, you know, yeah. do you have thoughts on that? I, I, I mean, how could it not be connected? You know, for, for eight years, I um, basically spent 16 hours a day at work, six days a week, uh, all the time that I could have been investing in my relationship. Uh, you know, I was at work. And so you know, we all go through inevitable ups and downs in relationships. And, you know, I was in a bad position when we went through a down. And I think that that uh, definitely was part of my contribution to my marriage not working out. And hopefully this can become, you know, hopefully my hindsight can become somebody else's foresight and make their relationship better. And so if you think about it in terms of positioning, which is something I talk about in, in clear thinking, it's, You know, if you water the grass in your relationship every day and you invest in it and, you know, you make sure that you're connecting and and you're close with your partner and you're spending time together, then you're still, it doesn't mean you're not going to have these stupid arguments from time to time or disagreements or that something's not going to come and and get between you, but it does make a huge difference in how you handle those moments and the ease at which you handle them. And watering the grass is such an apt phrase because if we water the grass, what happens? It never goes dry. And if a spark goes on wet grass, it just goes out. But if we don't water the grass, the grass goes really dry and a spark can start a raging fire. Uh, and I think of it in terms of positioning, right? And how do you position yourself to invest in your relationship? And how do you position yourself with your partner uh, so that you're building something together that it's going to survive these ups and downs? Uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful way to wrap part one of this interview. This theme, it runs like a golden thread, how we can learn the best of what others know. That's a theme that continues as we move into the second part of the conversation about the journey to Farnham Street, to the Knowledge Project, and to the Clear Thinking book. 
Uh, for everybody listening, what is one thing that you have heard in the conversation so far that stands out to you? What is one thing that you can do differently as a result of this conversation? And who is somebody that you can share that with so that the conversation can continue now that this part of our conversation is over? This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.